0: open up your Bibles to uh, Exodus chapter 35. Uh, I don't know if anyone here owns stock in Amazon. You don't have to raise your hands if you do, but if if you do own stock in Amazon, you'll get a letter from founder Jeff Bezos each year reminding you of something. reminds you of Amazon's commitment to think in the long term, uh, in the 2015 letter to his share owners, Bezos opens up with this. He says, a good business or a dreamy business uh, has at least four important characteristics. What are those four characteristics? The first one is customers absolutely love it. The second one, it can grow to a very large size. The third one, it has strong returns on its capital, capital, and the fourth one, it is durable in time with the potential to endure for decades. Bezos founded Amazon in 1994, and his commitment to long-term thinking uh, got him to the 35th on the global Fortune 500 list in just 20 years. Each year, he prints that letter as a symbolic act and a reminder Uh, to his shareholders, and he includes this statement, we will continue to make investment decisions in light of long-term market leadership considerations rather than short-term profitability considerations. Folks, we have an investment opportunity before us today. Uh, It is an investment opportunity that has all the characteristics, but to the Nth degree that Bezos mentions here, you have an investment opportunity to partake in one of the greatest works of all time, a work that will last for all eternity, a work in which you and I are part of this work because of love. We love this work and we love the person who this work is all about. It has the potential and has already the the potential to grow to an extremely large size. And it has great returns on its investment. And folks, the, the, the vision, the way of thinking that Bezos has for business really is a way of thinking that all Christians need to adopt. People are making investments. They're investing their money. They're investing their time. They're investing their resources. They're investing their energy into things that are going to fail. Into things that are not going to last for all eternity. That should not be the way of the church. We need a long-term view of thinking. We need to think about making our eternal investments. Folks, you have the opportunity to invest in God's project, to build His kingdom. And as I said, it meets all of these criteria. Where are we spending our resources? Where are we spending our monies, our time? our energy, our gifts, and our talents. Israelites had a project. They had a mission. Uh, In their specific context, a mission that God has given them to do. And there were essentials to that mission. So we're going to kind of take the principle of what they are doing. And and really, uh, you and I are here to do what? To build God's dwelling place here on earth in the hearts and minds of individuals that come to Christ through the work of the church. Uh, so there are three essentials that you and I are going to look at today uh, in this little eternal project. Uh, the first essential is that it is well-led. So verses 4 through 19 in Exodus 35. I'm try to read these as quick as possible. So Exodus 35, verse, starting at verse 4. Moses spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, whoever is of willing heart. Let him bring it as the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, "'Ram skins, dyed red, porpoise skins, and acacia wood. "'Oil for lighting and spices for anointing oil "'and the fragrant incense. "'Onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod "'and for the breastplate, breastpiece. "'Let every skillful man among you come. "'Make all that the Lord has commanded, "'the tabernacle, its tents, coverings, its "'hooks, boards, bars, pillars, and sockets.' The ark and its poles, the mercy seat, the curtain of the screen, the table and its poles, and all its utensils, the bread of presence. The lampstand also for the light and its utensils, its lamps and oil for the light, and the altar of incense, its poles, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, and the screen for the doorway at the entrance of the tabernacle. The altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles, and all its utensils, the basin and its stand. Hangings of the court, its pillars, its sockets, screened for the gate of the court. Pegs of the tabernacle, pegs of the court and their cords. Woven garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. There's a lot... a a good good list. So, what what is Moses doing here? When I chose this passage, I was so thankful for this passage because it, it just absolutely works perfectly for what we are doing here today. Notice Moses was commanded from who? God. And now what is he doing? He is reiterating that command Uh, To the leaders of the congregation, I I think that he is talking to the 70 elders as well as the congregation because he actually says, take from among you. Uh, So there he's probably addressing the leaders of the congregation to do what? To take so they, the leaders are involved, the leaders are invested, but the giving of the resources and of the time and talents is a free will offering. So good leadership is going to reiterate the command and the mission of the congregation at hand. George Britton McClellan was appointed the commander of the Army of the Potomac in 1861. I'm sure you've heard of McClellan and general-in-chief later on that year. In March of 1862, he was removed as the general chief while he was away from Washington as part of the Peninsula Campaign. On November 5th, 1862, he was removed from the commander of the Army of the Potomac. Why? Although McClellan was popular with the troops under his command, who called him Little Mac, he had vocal critics in the Republican-controlled Congress, including President Lincoln. President Lincoln didn't like his leadership at all. As a matter of fact, he had become increasingly frustrated with McClellan's delays in pursuing the enemy. In the later months of 1862, President Abraham Lincoln was angered by McClellan's inactivity, despite his superiority in numbers over the Confederate forces. He wrote a general letter that he knew McClellan would read. This is what he wrote. It's just one sentence. If General McClellan does not want to use the army, I would like to borrow it for a time, provided I could see how I could make it do something. Folks, an army is only as good as its leadership over it. If the leaders are inactive, if the leaders are not behind a vision or the mission that God has given them, then guess what? It's all going to fall apart. We see here that Moses reiterates the command. We see here that it is a command given to the leadership of the congregations. Good leaders are invested in the mission of the church. Good leaders are going to remind us of what we need to do. That's why we're up here today. That's why those tables are back there today. We have a great leadership team. A leadership team that is invested in God's mission. So... My job, their job, and the leaders within the work groups, we're here to remind you of something. We have a mission to do, don't we? Church is not just about us coming to get. It's about us learning how we can give. God has called each and every single person in this fellowship who is a believer in Jesus Christ to be a part of his work. We have a general mission. Where's a good place to find that? Matthew 28, right? That mission is to do what? Make disciples. is one of the last things Jesus says. Make disciples. You have a job to do. Build the church. Now granted Jesus is going to build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. How does Jesus build the church? Looking at it. Using each and every single one of us. How do we make disciples? He gives the three ways. You go, you baptize, and you teach. What an opportunity this was a great opportunity for the Israelites. There they are in the middle of the desert and they get an opportunity to do what? To build God's dwelling place here on earth. Well, that is exactly what we are doing. Where does God dwell? He dwells in us. Those who are made his disciples. And we see that the leadership is behind that. I think it's, as I said, it's a, the, the leaders confirm And maintain the mission of the church. The leaders pursue and promote the vision of the church. And if the leaders are behind all of this, then guess what? The church is going to follow. Church is not just about us uh, coming here, singing some songs, hearing a sermon, and then going home and the rest of the week just caring about our business. That is not why we are here. As a matter of fact, the majority of our lives should be thinking along these lines. What is it that I am doing to invest in God's kingdom? Because we only, and I'll say this throughout this sermon, you and I have how many lives to live? One. One life. One life. And God gives us this absolutely glorious, wonderful opportunity. Notice that being well-led actually calls upon the resources that they have. So he's not asking them for things they don't have, or he's not asking them to do things that people within the congregation cannot do. And I think this is an absolutely wonderful illustration of how God plunders the world, because where did they get these resources from? They got them from Egypt. Egypt. That was the money that Egypt owed them uh, to, from their years of slavery. So God plunders the world. He plunders the world's kingdoms. He gives to his people, and his people then turn around and invest that in, an earth, in a heavenly kingdom. This is exactly what he does. He's not asking for resources they don't have. God knows they have these resources. And he builds his earthly dwelling using those people and using those resources. Use what you got. What's an example of uh, using what we got? And actually this kind of leads into the, the next uh, part of, of being well led or the leaders being invested. Is that vision that mission needs to be clearly communicated. Notice how Moses breaks down everything that is needed and what it's needed for, doesn't he? He communicates the tabernacle and he says, hey, this is what we need. This is what we need it for. Here's what it's going to look like. So one of the aspects of, of using what we have is, folks, have you, have you walked out back there? a pretty big field, isn't it? What do you see out there? That's a resource. And this is just part of the vision that we have for how you and I can utilize the resources that God has given us to make disciples in this community. Because if you see some of these things, then guess what? You're going to have people come from this community right in our backyard. Do you see a basketball court? If we did two new nets outside, you know how many, you know how many kids would be here? If we, we lit that basketball court up at night, how about a walking path? Because there's a walking path already behind there. If we kind of make another one and connect to that path, do you think people are going to come and use that walking path? How about a gazebo or a pavilion so that our wonderful worship team can put on a concert, summer concert, for those in our community. Or we can hang out and barbecue and have a bunch of meat nights again. How about a playground? You know, I talked to our neighbor, uh, been talking to our neighbor, Mike. He's the guy in the corner. I don't even know where I'm at, right there, somewhere like that. I talked to him all the time. He said, if you guys build a playground there, we will help you with it, and we can guarantee you our kids will come and use that playground. Because he was telling me they got to walk across the street. That's why they put that crosswalk thing up there now, because people were like just flying down. But they walked to the other playground. But he said, you guys build a playground, I guarantee you, our kids in this neighborhood would use it. How about a soccer field? I talked to, a year, a year and a half ago, talked to the rec committee, and I, I asked her about the soccer field. She said, "If you use a, if you build a soccer field there, there will be that place will be packed every Saturday night." Or think bigger. I'm about a community center. How about a women's shelter? How about a teen center? Who owns all the cattle? He knows. And And what, what I love about this this is. God calls us to do a specific work, to contextualize that work in the area that we are at, right? But it's the general mission that we're aiming towards. Because if we see all of these things, then we see disciples. We have to realize that if God calls us to a certain work which is make disciples, which he has called us to do. He's going to provide the resources to do it. We just need to dream big. There are so many possibilities we can do. The reason we hired Kevin, because it's part of this work. That's where your monies are going. It's to, to fund Kevin's salary so that he can think of these ideas and then get you involved to do them. Where are we focusing? Where are we putting our resources towards? Because God has called us to do something, and he has called Galilee Baptist Church in 2022 to make disciples. We need to figure out how we're going to do that, use the resources he has, and then move forward. And if we're going to do that, then that project needs to be well-fed. So it needs to be well-led, and it needs to be well-fed. Follow along with me in verses 20 through 29. We're going to end really early today. I'm really excited about that. So you're going to have plenty of time out there. So 20 through 29. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel departed from Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart "...stirred him, and everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent and meeting, and for all its service, and for the holy garments. Then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women, came and brought brooches and earrings, signet rings, bracelets, all articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord." Every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red and porpoise skins, brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought the Lord's contribution. Every man who had in his possession acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun in the blue and purple and scarlet material and in fine linen. All the women whose hearts stirred with, with a skill spun the goat hair. The rulers brought the onyx stones and the stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece and the spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil for the fragrant incense. The Israelites, all the men and women whose heart moved them, to bring material for all the work which the Lord had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. God commands the building of his tabernacle. Moses and the leaders get behind that, reinforce that to the congregation, and the congregation responds. How many times is the word brought used or who had? What they had, they brought. What they had, they brought. And what they brought wasn't junk, was it? Talk about Goodwill a lot. When I go to Goodwill, pick around, and I'm actually shocked and surprised at what makes it onto those shelves sometimes. I mean, it is, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put that out for free and I would just hide some of these things in into the garbage can. There's a lady who actually talks about this problem. That people are donating their junk and their trash. Uh, she said they were that people would donate actually like used food containers. So these probably are yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You want a little little piece of something someone had? <laughs> Go to Goodwill, you know, open up that little, you know, Tupperware container. Take a good whiff of that. People are donating that stuff. And I think it kind of makes people feel better, right? You know, oh, do you donate? Yeah, I donate to Goodwill. Just put my sweaty socks in the donation bin. Did you wash? No, I didn't wash them. I want them to have the real effect. People are donating trash and their use of junk to Goodwill uh, just so it kind of makes their conscience feel a little better. Yeah, I donate to Goodwill. Uh, folks, I, I feel like that happens sometimes in the church is God gets our leftovers. God gets what 's left, and it 's not just sometimes in our in our monies or in our resources now. Before I continue down this path, I want to say this church is an extremely giving church. So I'm recognizing that. But when we look at what is given here, we have to remind ourselves of something. What was given was extremely valuable. It was their best. And we can give our junk and our resources or we can give what's left over in our time, energies and talents. I did a fascinating study and I'm so glad that I did this study because every time I think of the tabernacle, it's going to remind me of this. So there's two principles I want us to see here. So first principle is that what was given was extremely valuable. Uh, so here's here's the, tabernacle, here, here's the tabernacle here. It consists of the courtyard, of the tent of meeting. There's a little tent in the middle there. And then the Holy of Holies which, within the tent of meeting. This is what they're commanded uh, to build here. We're going to focus on the, the tent of meeting and the precious metals within the tent of meeting. Because in Exodus 38, you and I are given the weight Of the bronze, silver, and gold. I love this little model here because that's gold, isn't it? This is a... Remember where they're at, right? This is a little construction. And it's made of these precious metals. So here's what we got. So the bronze that was given was a total of 5,345 pounds of bronze. It'd be like a a rhinoceros made of bronze, a bronze rhinoceros. I don't know if I would ever find that at Goodwill, but if I did, I'd definitely flip that puppy. So $15,233 in today's market value uh, worth of bronze. So I had to do a lot of math for this. So if it's wrong... I apologize. These are estimated figures. How about the silver? It was seven thousand six hundred pounds of silver, equivalent two point eight million dollars. How about the gold? And then the silver weighed about. I think that's a twenty foot U haul truck made of entire uh, entirely of silver. The gold was two thousand two hundred eight. Pounds, the size of a, a weight of a Mini Cooper, and it was $70 million in today's market value worth of gold. Approximately $73 million of value. Do we need an application? What are we giving? To his work. Are we giving our leftovers? This is what those people gave. Because the value of what is given reflects the value of who it's given to, doesn't it? If you and I value God, We're going to give him our best. We know how much he is worth it. And believe me, he's worth it. We're not going to hold back. Someone gave me an article the other day. And in the article it had the statistics. I I couldn't, I tried to draw a, do a pie thing and it didn't work. So I just took a picture of the statistics here. This is the current statistics on evangelical giving. Even if 10% were the standard which it's not there there's only a little more than 8% of evangelicals who give 10% 42% of evangelicals give less than 2% of their income that's sad that that actually just it breaks my heart because we're one of the richest nations in the world. One of the richest churches in the world. We could build a couple, couple tabernacles, I think. It, it reveals where people's hearts are. Jesus says it. Where your treasure is, guess what? That's where you're going to find your heart as well. If your heart is in his kingdom, if your heart belongs to him, it's going to show something a little bit different than this, isn't it? God uses the resources of this world to build his kingdom, and he gives those resources to individuals. Notice, all the individuals brought what they had. And it's not just monies, it's resources. So go back, you know, go into Acts, right? What were they doing? They, I, please, don't say Pastor Mark told me to sell my home. That's not what I'm asking you to do today. But that, they took what they had and they flipped it. And it's not for recognition. It's not so that, you know, you get another you know, notch in your belt up in heaven, uh, because we know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, right? They were they wanted to look good. So they gave, and they're, they're like, oh, is this all of it? Yeah, and then pff, you're dead. They lied, right? Because they were in it for the wrong reason. It's a motivation of the heart. This is the second principle we see here is that, look, it's all people who, they were energized behind this. They wanted to give, They were excited about this. Everyone who had gave. Everyone who had gold gave the gold, the rings, the signet rings. Everyone who had the, the, they spun the wool and they gave the, the, the wool and they gave all of these things because they had them and they were energized behind it. They were excited about this project. So much so, Moses has to turn them away, doesn't he? He says, We have enough. What a great problem to have. God stirred in their hearts. They were energized behind it so much so that he had to stop people from bringing it right in Exodus 36. Jesus speaks to the talents in the New Testament. The New Testament principle is is a, a principle on talents and stewardship and accountability to what we have. Uh, the New Testament principle on giving is giving according to our means, right? That's the New Testament principle. And we, we only give according to what we have. There's not a, a 10% uh, principle in the New Testament. And it's how we give that matters the most. That is what God is... Cons- what, what type of giver does God love? Or what, is it a yeah, cheerful giver, right? It's not a, oh, man... You know, handing it over. He he. We and that reflects our heart. He loves a cheerful, willing, generous giver. Because in the end, it's not a contribution to Galilee. It's a contribution to who the Lord. That's what it says. They made a free will offering. To the Lord. It was above and beyond what they needed, and it was above and beyond their normal tithe in their congregation. That is who we give to. Whatever it is we give, it's a gift to Him, it's a response to Him. It's out of love. It is done willingly, and it is done cheerfully. The work needs to be fed. Needs to be invested with the resources of those that are called to do the work. And all the materials needed were given for that work. Uh, The third and final essential to this eternal investment project is it needs to be well-thread, verses 30 through 35. Then Moses said to the sons of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom, In understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship, to make designs for the working in gold, and in silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for the settings, and the carving of wood, so as to perform in every inventive work. He also put in his heart to teach both he and Olahab, the son of Ahishmach, of the tribe of Dan. and He has filled them with the skill to perform every work of an engraver, and every designer, and every embroiderer, and of the of an embroiderer, in blue, and in purple, and in scarlet material, and in fine linen, and of a weaver as performers of every work, and makers of designs. I don't know if you guys seen the Lego fanatics, seen the Lego X-Wing fighter. Uh, it's in the Grand list of coolest things ever. Uh, It was done in 2013. Uh, The Lego X-Wing is the largest Lego model ever built. It is the model of the classic Star Wars fighter and has a wingspan of 44 feet. It's complete with R2-D2 in the back and full range of sound effects. It is a super-duper-sized version of Star Wars Lego. And it was made with over 5 million Lego bricks. 5 million Lego bricks. Uh, so according to Lego, makes the largest model ever built, eclipsing the Lego robot, which is found at the Mall of America. It took 32 master builders and it took 17,336 man hours to construct the X-Wing. Plans for the model were created using the LEGO's proprietary design software. Uh, The construction team had to work alongside of structural engineers to ensure that the model was safe. Once completed, the model weighs 45,980 pounds, and it was shipped to Legoland, California from the Czech Republic. So imagine shipping. We do shipping on eBay, and I hate shipping because I'm worried about things breaking. Then how about imagine shipping a uh, Legoland, uh, Lego construction across the world. I saw, I saw some eyes kind of pop open when I said how many man hours it took. That's a lot of time, right? Folks, this is a Lego model. I hate Legos. I've tried to do those little Legos. I think maybe my daughter and I completed like one, you know, but you start putting those things together and I'm like, "No thank you." My I am not going to waste my life doing Lego models. I mean, some people really enjoy them. I hope that you do. I don't I do not have the patience for Lego models. These people obviously do. They like Legos so much so that they invested what? Time, resources, and energy and money into building a Lego starship. It's amazing. I, I find it amazing at what people can do. I'm amazed at this. When they put their minds to it, right? When they put their minds, their energy, their time, their gifts and their talents, you, you can do a lot. Folks, this Lego model is going to be destroyed one day. God's kingdom, God's church is not What are we using our gifts and talents to build? Look at what people can do when they come together with a vision and a project. It's amazing. What an honor and a privilege it must have been to work on that project. Wouldn't you be like if you were in that crowd and they're like and you're like, yeah, my name's on that brick right there. And you got, you had a hand in that project? Absolutely. Wow, that must have been such a privilege, such an honor. Do you notice that God mentions people's specific names here? He mentions their names. Their, their names are written down in, in a book that is going to last for all eternity. Why? Because they had a hand. In building God's dwelling place on earth. And I think he does that for a reason, because they're just na- and they're not found really throughout the rest of scriptures. These guys' names are found in, in this context uh, because they had a part in building the tabernacle. You and I. We have that same opportunity. You know, we're going to get to heaven. I think we'll see this guy, Bezezel, Bezel, however you say his name. And we'll be like, hey, you're the guy, you're the dude. And he'd be like, yeah. And then he might say, if we have a part in God's coming, he'd be like, yeah, but guess what? I know your name too. Your name's in this part right here. Remember 2022? You helped build God's church? oh yeah, there's my name right there. We look so much at at participating sometimes as a duty instead of a privilege and an honor. And that's exactly what it is. You and I have an opportunity to build God's kingdom that is going to last for all time. And our names, even though He gifts us with those gifts, He gives us the talents, He gives us the resources, our names have a chance of being written down in that story as part of this wonderful construction. When we look at biblical stewardship, and that's really what a lot of this is about, we can break it down... Uh, into a few areas. Biblical stewardship is our responsibility and our response to what God has given us in these areas. Money, we're to be good stewards and use the money that He gives us, resources, energy, time, talents, and gifts. I'm sure we can... Find some other ones. These things kind of change over time, don't they? You know, so when I, when I, when I was young, uh, I definitely didn't have a lot of the first one. Um, thank God brought my wife to help me with the first one. Um, but I, I had like no money. I mean, I was going paycheck to paycheck, just a fool with cash. So, but I had what? I had energy. And because I wasn't married at the time, I had more time, right? So, but over time, that stuff changes, doesn't it? So as you get older, hopefully you have more money and you probably have less energy. Do you see how it kind of all works out? So over the seasons of our life, you know, we're, we're stored in a different way. You know, so some, some people have been given more resources, uh, some people have a, a wide variety of talent. Uh, some people have a lot of money. Uh, some people have a ton of energy. How are you using those things that God has given you right here and now to build his kingdom? That's biblical stewardship. We have an accountability with all of these things, not, not just certain aspects of our life, our whole life, and encompass, encompasses everything. And notice it's not, just the, it's, it's not that this guy had the spiritual gift of embroidery, even though he did to a certain extent, right? God, God uses not just the spiritual gifts, but the talents as well. I, I think of a perfect example of this is the, the paint night that we just hosted, right? So uh, we, we had this women's fellowship paint night uh, and we had Sidney Stoltz provide her talent Of and she's an absolute fabulous artist. And she used that talent for God's kingdom because we had a bunch of people who weren't part of our church come to that paint night. There's a great time of fellowship, but that's how you do it. Whatever you have, whatever you can do, God can use that when he's given it. Our job is to come to him willingly, like these guys. So again, we see the giving of the resources was willing, and so also was the people who participated in the work. God... Spirit was given to these individuals for this particular work. The same principle goes for the church today. God has gifted you. He's given you gifts and talents for the work here in Gorham at Galilee 2022. What is he calling you to do? How can you use that for him? There are a multitude of opportunities. And those opportunities you're going to be able to see out in the hallway there, immediately following the service. You go back to the field. Maybe you're good at digging. Okay. Maybe you're good at construction or planning. Maybe you're good at seeing the big picture of things. I don't know. I I know I'm not good at construction and stuff like that, but I know some people are gifted in that area. How about can you change oil? Can you work on cars? Maybe you could do something for the community, for the single women in this community where you have a a free car service day. How about do you like numbers? Do you like like money? Can you count? Uh, We have the financial department that you can work with. Are you, are you good with music? Are you good with sound? Uh, we need AV operators in worship. How about teaching? Or hosting small groups? We have our preparing work group. Do you like to fix things? Do you like to understand systems? Do you like security? We have our facilities work group. How about witnessing? Evangelism or creating events to bring in the community. We have our outreach work group. Each work group is designed to, for you to find a place to fit in to this church, but the bigger picture to fit in to God's kingdom. Where is he calling you? The project needs to be well-led Needs to be well fed, and all of those resources need to be put together. Someone needs to thread them together. Folks, God's church is constructed when God's people are invested. It's how it works, it's what we're here to do. You and I have a mission. The leadership needs to be invested. The resources need to be invested. And our time and talents need to be invested. We have one life. Are we investing it in an eternal investment? I'm going to call forth the worship team and the ushers at this time so... We're going to uh, take our offering after uh, I pray. So I'm going to pray for our offering as well. And then immediately following the service, uh, we have all of our tables set outside there. Ask questions. uh, Make sure you read all the information. There's a ton of opportunities for you guys to serve. Uh, So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word to us. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege and honor of serving you in such a wonderful, wonderful work. Lord, help us not to lose sight of that. Lord, help us to take stock in everything that you have given us. Our money, the resources that we have, the gifts and talents, our time and our energy. Help us to lay that at your feet, all of it, Lord, and guide us. Guide us as individuals and guide us as a church into the work that you would have us do specifically here and now at Galilee. Lord, we thank you for these offerings that we are about to receive. And Lord, we know that you own it all. It all belongs to you, so we are giving back to you just a portion. But it is a reflection of our hearts. We ask that you would use these offerings to build your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.